Welcome to The Brief. We have with us Nathan, co-founder and partner, Coinman Consultants. Thanks for being here, Nathan. Well, to kick things off, from 123 to 63 in three years, India's rank has bounced up the World Bank's ease of doing business index. But is the ground reality different? Has it really impacted the perception foreign companies have towards setting up a business in India? Well, actually, uh, you know, it's a very pertinent question, according to me, because... Uh, uh, yeah, theoretically, in, on paper, India has been moving up the index and, you know, people do expect that there has been a lot of changes which have eased the overall process of doing business in India. But on ground level, I have seen little conflicting views, not only from uh, multinational businesses, but also uh, a lot of Indian businesses. And uh, you know, they have been continuously skeptical of the policies from the government. Uh, especially the banking system, uh, right from opening the bank account to doing routine transactions have always been a challenge, uh, which especially if uh, you know, look at the people coming from uh, Western world uh, and or developed economies uh, such as Japan, you know, banking is one thing which is probably, you know, like a right given to any businessman. So, uh, you know, all in all, while there have been improvements uh, in smaller setups and on piecemeal basis, on a holistic basis, you know, we still have a long way to cover. And I think uh, uh, some of it also gets resonated in the economic survey where it does talk about how the government interventions uh, at policy level have not always been uh, positive, uh, how we still struggle on uh, logistics, on banking in terms of ease of doing business. And I think uh, there is there's fairly a long way to go before we can you know, really claim uh, the actual ease of doing business at a ground reality level. Uh, also the fact, uh, you know, we see a lot of investments, a lot of factories go to China in the earlier uh, years and even now, despite the best of efforts, India does not seem to be the the most preferred choice for anyone to set up the factories. I've had a lot of SME clients who have gone to places like Vietnam and Thailand because just just because uh, the ease of setting up business is tremendous even in those countries. Is the potential of the emerging Indian economy as a consumption market big enough for companies to consider India? Well, yes, of course. Every market is different. Uh, every market uh, throws its own strengths and weaknesses, but it's, it's the way you harness them to your advantage is the key. So clearly, India is a big consumption story. But, uh, you know, in my view, the consumption is directly linked to the income and the propensity to spend uh, from, from that big population that we expect. Uh, you again take an example of China where population was the big key and there was a huge consumption story. And the in internal consumption itself propelled the growth for a very long uh, period of time. But, you know, the the overall environment was such which enabled a big economic growth giving a lot of uh, income to people and basically propelling the middle class to a richer middle class and uh, you know the richer to the higher richer so that income eventually got consumed in the economy leading to overall growth so in my view what we really need to see is a stronger economic development which will get supported by the presence of this huge population leading to huge consumption. Uh, but the policies have to really make it easy uh, because 
we must keep in mind that uh, you know though it may come back to ease of doing business but that does make a lot of uh, impact on people's decisions to invest or not to invest and without getting that investment whether domestic or foreign uh, at the moment because we are seeing a struggle even for the domestic investors to invest because they are also caught in that cycle of lack of consumption lack of demand leading to their decisions on investment getting postponed and which in turns leads to lesser income generation which again leads to lesser consumption so it's a vicious cycle we have got into and that must get got uh, that must be broken somehow and uh, that is where i felt that the government's role through public spending on asset creation becomes super important is enough being done by india's policy makers to address the needs of the investors there has clearly been an effort and i think not just this budget even in the last 6 to 12 months we have been seeing government uh, at least from a tax point of view trying to give out more money in the hands of taxpayers uh, so that they they can you know sort of spend more uh, but i felt that the efforts made in the past or even in the budget by reduction in the tax rates and eliminating lot of exemptions corresponding thereto have not yielded yielded the uh, desired result and i i don't think it will probably end up yielding those kind of results because a if at all it releases a very small amount of money in individual pockets uh, which is you know difficult to fathom how it goes into the economy from a consumption standpoint uh, and which is why uh, even to increase consumption uh, my personal view is that the tax is not probably the best way to put more money uh, i think we need to figure out a way where uh, while the money gets used in asset creation uh, the consumption uh, or the increase in consumption or the increase in money flow happens through a policy framework uh, rather than just the tax adjustments because what we have seen is that the net impact of these tax provisions have really been a zero sum game because uh, as you can imagine uh, in a lot of exemptions have been taken away putting a lot of people in a higher tax bracket than they were actually in uh, and hence the net effect of any such provision really becomes is nullified so you know uh, so clearly that uh mechanism does not seem to be working at the moment and uh, at least at the moment we can't see how it gives back more money to people uh, and that holds true not only for individual taxation but even for things like abolition of dividend distribution tax and uh, and similar uh, such changes uh, which in effect does not uh, you know sort of give back enough money in the pockets of people will the new tax slabs and tax rates help in creating wealth for india's consumption market a quick back of the envelope calculations at least suggest so uh, and we have not really been able to come up uh, with lot of scenarios where it might be a big advantage uh, especially because uh, you know the the middle class uh, in terms of percentage the money that gets handed over to them even if you know uh, one were to assume is not significant in individual level make in india has been an ongoing mandate for the indian sme manufacturing sector but has it resulted in the kind of growth needed for the economy well yes what we hear from various agencies is also that uh, you know there are there has been significant increase in the number of people wanting to set up manufacturing but my fear is uh, twofold one uh, while there may be increase in the queries uh, uh, how many investors actually end up investing uh second again looking at the data it seems that most of these companies are coming from china and hence we are not seeing a holistic 
uh, sort of investment growth in the manufacturing sector. Uh, and I think one of the reasons for that could also be the free trade agreements because a lot of these free trade agreements uh, allow a reduced import duty on the finished products if imported from countries other than China uh, and hence you know, probably giving lesser incentive from I mean, uh, manufacturing from other countries to come and set up plants in India. Third, I think also the fact remains that uh, we are a low-skill labor country and hence uh, what we may try to do is set up manufacturing but what ends up is a lot of assembly plants. So what we have seen is, uh, especially in electronics and auto components, uh, is that there is no real value add uh, and if there is any, it's, it's sort of limited. Uh, the functions uh, that get done in India are more assembly where you know the knockdown units are brought in and assembled in India and which again has been highlighted in the economic survey as well uh, and I don't mind that personally because eventually uh, you know you will graduate from a low skill to a high skilled country and hence move from assembly to manufacturing function but I think that is one thing which uh, needs recognition and uh, you know the policies need to be framed around in such a manner which facilitate quick fix uh, plant setup for even assembly functions then moving on to uh, you know bigger uh, because again if you read the economic survey it lists down the kind of approvals that anyone setting up a manufacturing plant would need and you know it's, it's sort of baffling if uh, you look at an assembly function uh, it's just way too much. So those hurdles, I, I guess, are... Those hurdles and the, again, the time it takes. So it puts off a lot of investments. So, you know, my fear is not necessarily that people don't end up investing because eventually, uh, you know, India does uh, provide you low-cost labor. Uh, you know, the resources are efficient and you have a huge market to consume as well. But it does sort of postpone a lot of decisions um, from the, especially from the SME sector. Uh, and I'm talking both India and outside India which uh, you know i always feel that the large guys will come and do what they need to do and probably they will even influence the policy but where the government does play the role is to support the sme sector and that's where i think uh, in a lot of times you find uh, and we have had uh, cases recently as well where we have spoken to clients and they they probably have postponed their investment plans due to certain policy uh, uh, issues and you know lack of clarity on the policy side from a service economy to an assembly one and eventually into manufacturing hub. Isn't that a natural progression for India? See, within services also we can become a high-end service economy because now, you know, so far what we see even in our profession, we see a lot of volume-based service providers uh, doing quality professional work. But, you know, the real high-end uh, profession services uh, is limited to some large guys. I think that's the natural progression for services. Assemblies, again, I mean, from assembly to manufacturing, yes, it's a, it's a progression, but uh, the ecosystem needs to be created accordingly. Uh, and it needs to be clearly uh, you know, sort of understood that right now we are not in the manufacturing zone. We are not, I mean, if you look around, we hardly have any Sonys or Hyundais of our own. Uh, we are basically doing back-end assemblies or back-end uh, you know, sort of component manufacturing for even the large guys. Uh, which is what I would probably want to see because every time you travel to even small uh, countries which are much smaller though economies may be much larger like Korea you see like multiple 
होम ग्रोन मल्टीनेशनल्स विच हैव ग्रोन गॉन ओवरसीज एंड हैव डन वेरी वेल बट वी हार्डली सी एनी थिंग सिमिलर फ्राम इंडिया एंड आई थिंक दैट्स दैट कम्स बैक टू दिस मूड क्वेश्चन ऑफ असेंबली वर्सेज मैनुफैक्चरिंग लो एंड वर्सेज हाई एंड सर्विसज एंड यू नो सिमिलर इशूज Despite India's visions, plans and efforts for its startup ecosystem, it still seems to fall short. What do you think needs to change? Again, having spoken to multiple startups, uh, the way you can do business in India, I think puts a lot of pressure on promoters on managing compliances and ensuring that they don't end up on the wrong side of the law. Of course, uh, none of these promoters want to, you know, sort of not do the compliances or uh do any under report anything they want to be on the right side of the law but the point is that for them to be on the right side of the law they personally need to spend a lot of time because on ensuring that these compliances are done because they don't have the cash resources to you know probably appoint someone or have a expensive resource to do things for them uh in addition you know in the past we have also seen literally most of the startups irrespective of the size uh, having to spend considerable time on uh, the tax assessments on the particular issue of share issuance at valuation to their investors uh and to be honest i mean uh, uh, there have been no other issues for startups it's really just one issue uh so what i again feel is that someone needs to sort of look at the entire ecosystem and say you know if you have to support them we probably can support them by giving them a free hand they don't necessarily according to me need tax exemptions because uh, in my view they would uh, they would make money after setting off any sort of broad forward losses i'm sure they would be happy to pay tax so i i don't see any reason for them to get any sort of tax exemptions per se but what they need is definitely to be left alone for certain period of time uh, by letting them left alone i mean that they should not be put under undue pressures of uh, too many compliances too many uh, registrations um, etc and the banking especially needs to be really easy for them because a lot of these guys are operating at a mass market uh, level and and the banking becomes one of the key points for them because uh, either they are collecting ma- uh, money from a lot of retail customers or they have just the number of ticket uh, transactions they they have uh, the banking becomes an important uh, cog in the wheel for them so i would do probably three things i will uh, if if i would to look at it i will say that you know let's reduce the compliance burden of uh, the startup so that they can only focus on building the right business model and not worry too much about uh, the paperwork Uh, give them a robust banking system uh, even if separate teams have to be created in the banking system looking at only startups understanding only startups so be it and don't confuse them with any sort of exemptions or you know limitations and definitions etc because uh, every startup is unique in in their own way and i don't necessarily think that uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, these startups can be categorized into specific definitions also because you know if you look at uh, the startup community as such uh, you know we again are copying a lot of ideas from the west and trying to replicate them at a larger scale which means that the volumes will be bigger but there will not be too much innovation in those startups but that's okay because they, at the end of the day they g- generate employment one thing in this budget that uh, has been done well is to uh, you know sort of defer the tax on the esops which was uh, a huge issue for the uh, startups because clearly they were hiring a lot of people by issuing them esops and uh, uh the pe- i mean the employees were afraid to convert their or exercise their esops simply because of the tax outflow uh, but i think now with that getting deferred that should be a huge boost to the startup ecosystem
where does India stand on its infrastructure readiness for its planned economic growth? Again, I mean, my personal view in that is that uh, uh, we are doing okay in terms of building new infrastructure. We always knew that we were lagging behind when we started. So it's not that it's a problem created now. It's a problem that existed for a very long period of time because we did not create the right infrastructure at the right time. Uh, one can argue that the pace of creating this infrastructure is a little slow because of the various teething issues that one finds. But I think overall government has done well in terms of uh, you know removing the or reducing the bottlenecks that one may find while executing a lot of these infrastructure projects. So the the interest from various foreign companies in executing infra projects continues to remain. Uh, I feel we are doing pretty okay in terms of creating new infrastructure. Uh, we might. Uh, do well to sort of announce some big ticket uh, infra projects which are more integrated infra projects. Uh, the government is also sort of focusing on all aspects of infrastructure be it waterways, roadways, airways, uh, electricity, everything. So I think uh, the focus on infrastructure has been unwavering for the last seven, eight years. We have seen the growth, we have seen the development. But, you know, in a country like India, you can always say that one can do more and more and more. But I think it's also a function of finances that are available, you know, players that are available to execute, the technologies that are available. But personally, working a lot in the infrastructure space, I feel uh, progress is there, but one can always argue this, the pace of the progress and things like that. To increase its public sector spending, what more does the Indian government need to do for the divestment of its PSCs? So the target for this year is about 2.1 lakh crore rupees, uh, which is uh, huge because they're only targeting to collect this money from three or four uh, exits, which one of which is Air India. I mean, that did not necessarily come out from the budget because the efforts have been going on since uh, quite a while now. Uh, then there are... Uh, BPCL, LIC and few others which have been named. I think uh, the efforts to disinvest from these PSUs have been going on for some time now. What uh, probably we will all want to see is the real exits happening so the government can also collect some money and you know, invest that uh, in uh, asset creation. Uh, so the post-budget presentation by the finance minister, they did mention that uh, any money collected from disinvestments will only go to asset creation, uh, which is a very welcome uh, uh, welcome word by the FMN because that is what we all want to see as well. Uh, of course, the challenge has been the practical implementation. So the intent seems to be there. Uh, we all will look forward to seeing that happening and you know new assets getting created because if these targets are met, uh, that gives a lot of money for asset creation for sure. While the intent is there, implementation is the problem. What do you think has been a persisting challenge for the Indian government? On some big ticket reforms, whether good or bad, the government has pushed it and implemented it. So, for example, when you talk of things like GST or even demonetization at some point of time, the government has pushed it and implemented it. Now, the results of that have uh, have been good and bad and it's a, it's a mix back to that extent. And it might take time for the results of some of these efforts to even kick in um, because at the moment at least we can say that GST is near stabilization and uh, things are getting much better than they were when they when it all started which is not unexpected. I think the FM also recognized the fact that some something like this is not going to get implemented easily. But I think where we find uh, when a lot of things missing are at a grassroots level. So a lot of things which 
are not as fancy or are not as big ticket but are equally important uh, you know sometimes tend to get lost and uh, not find that priority uh, in the government's agenda uh, also i feel that it's an effort to do an all around uh, thing that sometimes the focus is shifted away uh, from trying to do better than to try to do too much uh, even this budget speech you would see that you know literally everything has been spoken about and we didn't find any sort of deeper uh, discussions on one or two key subjects which is what my worry is that when you try and do too much you might end up achieving too little uh, the reason why gst got implemented and eventually came to this situation is because there was a hawkeye focus on implementation of gst at that moment which is what i would probably like to see maybe some smaller uh, policy level schemes or uh, policy level matters getting implemented faster but affecting a larger base even at a sme sector level because uh, that's an important sector we can't uh, you know sort of ignore so maybe uh, from that from from an implementation point of view slight change of approach might help because every time you try and do big ticket uh, changes and implement those like gsc takes takes a lot of effort and energy and the results of which could only be seen in some years time uh, but i think the requirement right now is to bring in faster changes smaller changes but more effective changes agriculture and its allied industries remain a focus for the indian government but is that approach correct or do the policies remain populist in nature so i'm not an expert on rural sector or agriculture sector but i would assume that uh, you know that's an area we can't ignore in any budget irrespective of what the focus of the uh, government might be uh, a because it still is one of our largest uh, contributors to the entire uh, gdp uh, it employs the maximum number of people still and it gives livelihood to a lot of people depending on agriculture solely for uh, for their economics so i don't think it can be ignored though i'm not so sure of uh, all the policies that are being adopted to basically uplift uh, the rural economy in totality uh, i mean just few discussions with my friends and uh, with people known to me uh, makes it seem like that the, the policies are being sort of they're more counterproductive at the moment uh, than uh, trying to achieve i mean then achieving the aim that they were created for uh, and that also in a way in the longer run uh, probably is not good for the rural economy Uh, but as i said since i am not an expert uh, i'll probably refrain from any comment specifically on that uh, issue did the recent union budget live up to your expectations i'm very happy to see the last year's budget and the vision that was laid out in the last year budget um, i thought there's a clear agenda in the minds of the government and which will be sort of uh, chased in the next 5 years uh, i was tad disappointed in the current year budget simply because i thought uh, you know we got stuck uh, somewhere in trying to focus on everything and not uh, clearing our vision on one or two key big ticket items uh, from the last year's vision statement uh, and you know uh, the government has been very forthcoming in listening to the viewpoints and uh, making course corrections which is also welcome uh, but probably committing themselves to couple of agenda points over the next 2 3 years and working deeply on that uh, is something i would 
uh, want to see and I, I hope it, it happens like that because uh, even the investor community uh, works around the vision statement from the government and makes its investment plans accordingly and it will be an immense uh, boost to the overall confidence levels if the government can stick to this vision statement and prepare each budget or each policy uh, in and endeavor to achieve those visions uh, because that will find a lot of support from the investor community as well. What is that one message you would like to give to the business community keeping the present and near future in mind? The story of India growth does not change. Uh, what does not change is that we still continue to be a strong consumption economy. Uh, what does not change is government's focus on developing infrastructure, which is probably the right way to invest uh, public spending. Uh, so there are a lot of positives still to look at. Uh, with these positives, I think if, if a minor tweak in the approach can make sure a couple of areas are focused very clearly for the next five years and a clear messaging is given out. Uh, because what sort of scares me is also a confused messaging even on the tax side you know the way we want to approach the taxpayers whether we want to have a collaborative relationship or we want to uh, you know sort of still create uh, issues for the taxpayers so a clear messaging is something which uh, would really help uh, and I, I do hope that will move in this we will move in this direction uh, especially uh, because of the mandate that the government got from from the public i think it's really incumbent on this government to deliver on its promises and more than the promises have a very clear message for next five ten years because over the last 15 20 years uh, you know policy paralysis is one term we have all heard time and again and i'm just afraid that we might move into the same direction if if the focus is not made clear once again